When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we tackle your questions on calling it quits on casual invites, office party obligations, asking for only cash for Christmas, returning wedding shower gifts, plus a postscript segment straight from the radio scripts of the woman we're so grateful to call great-grandmama, Emily Post. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. My favorite holiday is Thursday. I love Thanksgiving. It's my favorite holiday. I like it more than Christmas. Mm-hmm. I like it more than Easter. Mm-hmm. I like it more than holidays I don't celebrate. Mm-hmm. I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love it because it's about food and family and coming together. It's not about presents. Yeah. It is not a religious holiday. It's it's just simply a day of gathering to be grateful. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing that we have as an American tradition. So I'm so excited for Thanksgiving this week. It's one of those holidays that has climbed my ladder of favorites the older and older I've gotten. As as a kid, it was absolutely Christmas and all the presents (laughs) and the extra long amount of time off from school. Mm -hmm. Um, Halloween was right in there. It was very close. All that candy, the (laughs) trick-or-treating, the costumes. It was maybe a close second on the heels of Christmas. And Thanksgiving was this sort of distant... Third, sort of, maybe. Yeah, maybe not even. You didn't even get that much time At off school Easter for Thanksgiving. At least Easter gave you jelly beans, right? <laughs> but similarly to to, yeah. to you, as as I've gotten older, I've found myself enjoying Thanksgiving more and more. And I, it, and in some ways, it felt like a rite of passage when I was sitting around the Thanksgiving table, thinking to myself, "I think this is my favorite holiday." <laughs> <laughs> I was just smart and grateful as a young child. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm totally Mature beyond your years, clearly. (laughs) Totally kidding. The football. Oh, well, football is a pretty darn big. I love it. We always do football in one room mm-hmm. and then coffee and conversation in the other room so that it's divided and you can you can kind of have that going on. But I love it. I truly do. So we're tiptoeing yeah. up to it. I was going to ask, what, what's your what's Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving going to look like? like? Yeah. So Thanksgiving is always spent with my mom's side of the family. Uh, their last name is Coward, believe it or not. Um, and so that it's the coward side of the family that we hang out with that day. And um, not to be a, a downer, but this year is going to be a little bit different. We lost um, we lost both my, my grandmother, who I was very, very close with, and um, my Aunt Suzanne this year on that side of the family. And they were very close together, and it was um, just a big hard hit. So I think that it's going to be really wonderful to be together and to be supporting that side of the family and spending time together. But I also think there will be kind of an element of, 
oh, that's right. It's a little different this year. Um, and I'm excited to embrace some of the other differences that are coming. We have some extra guests coming this year that'll be really great to sort of change things up. But what I love is that that day always starts out with um, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on TV while okay. we get the house ready. Um, it's a holiday where a lot of our family brings, everyone brings a dish. They kind of bring their favorite dish to Thanksgiving. So my mom has organized all of that. Go, Trisha. Um, I'm actually, I have to call her because I've forgotten what dish I'm bringing and I always leave it to the last minute. So, um, and then we eat at around one uh, thirty or 2 in the afternoon, and it's just a huge spread. I mean, my mom and dad do the turkey, and it's massive. They always do enough for, like, everyone to have two plates full of leftovers, so it's, like, huge. And bring home Exa- Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, the night before, we actually all gather at my Aunt Sarah's house for sandwiches and soup, and then the night after, we do a leftovers dinner. You do a Thanksgiving so Eve we party? Do, we do a Thanksgiving <laughs> Eve party. We're that silly, but we do, and then the night after is is all the leftovers. Everyone comes back for more, which I love. But the meal is fabulous. My dad gives the toast that you've talked about on this show before. And it's really very warm and comforting holiday. We usually go for a big walk in the evening at some point, and then we kind of break out more food and there's football. And we always watch like a movie like The Holiday or Love Actually or something kind Which of I fun. Which I finally saw last right? year. So good. <laughs> I know. We find, and it's it's just always something a little heartwarming and yeah. nice and it's it's lovely. So I'm really, really looking forward to this weekend. Totally. I, I've heard your parents talk about loving that movie and oh my now gosh. it's occurring to me. I think yeah, you would think my parents <laughs> sponsored that movie to be made with the love that they have for Love it's Actually. true. But what about you? What's it, what's it like at the Sunning House? Do you guys celebrate it with posts or Sunnings? Traditionally, been the sending uh-huh. of the two holidays. Thanksgiving will be at Aunt Carol and Uncle Bert's. They have the farm just down the road from my parents, and they host a Thanksgiving meal that used to be when Bert was pig farming a pig, <laughs> and now is moved to a more traditional turkey meal. Gotcha. And the family comes up from Boston, and a few folks come up from Washington D.C. So it's a large, long table Thanksgiving meal. Um, oh. Picture. Yeah, New England <laughs> farm. <laughs> I could say hay rides. That wouldn't be entirely true, although Bert definitely hosted would, hay rides plenty of times in his life. I was going to say, I think I remember being on the back of that tractor a few times. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I'm so much looking forward to that. What's your favorite food at that holiday meal? My favorite Thanksgiving food. This is a little bit strange. So the meal happens in two parts. There's okay. the big traditional Thanksgiving meal where everyone sits around the table and eats everything you would picture at a Norman Rockwell painting of a Thanksgiving meal. Okay. There's a meal that precedes that a little earlier in the day. Earlier? Not – I thought you were going to go leftovers, but you mean earlier. The family that come up from Boston stop at their favorite Middle Eastern deli and they bring a mezza meal. So we have a first meal that's very much in sort of a Middle Eastern style with – What's in that meal? Um, I can't even picture. Uh, olives, top. Nods, homemade baba ganoush, tabbouleh. Uh, so breads, different from traditional oh, American it, foods. That's amazing. It's so good. And oh, cool. you just it's it's food that you don't find so easily in Vermont. Mm-hmm. So they bring up some just absolute yumminess. And the idea was that there originally that there would be snacks that would get people through until a big sort of awkwardly timed meal that doesn't really happen at lunch. Totally, totally. Happens later in the afternoon and it, it got so popular that now I, I look forward to it and anticipate it almost as much as the Okay, so Thanksgiving I'm gonna make, I'm gonna make you answer. Answer my question. What of those two meals? What's the actual? I mean, are you the mashed potatoes guy? Are you the baba ganoush guy? Are you? What's the thing that you're like? Ooh, there's only two left. I better get one. I'm a bit of a traditional. 
minimalist, that perfect bite of turkey stuffing, mashed potato, and <laughs> gravy, I really don't think can be beat. Right. I can't get you to choose just one. Nope. No, it's that bite. It's the bite <laughs> with the four. It has to be. It has to. I hear you. I hear you. You know, Poppy, our grandfather, used to say one of the true joys of eating is assembling the perfect bite. He used to love building that bite of food that was absolute perfection, get that little bit of sauce and that piece of meat that's cooked just right. Everything and, will taste perfect um, together. And that art of crafting that bite was um, something he took a lot of pleasure in. I think about him sometimes when I'm building that particular bite. Well, I am certainly looking forward to taking many of those bites on Thursday with my family. I will be picturing you with your family. I'm sure we will talk at some point during the football game. I truly, from Dan and I both, we really hope that you have a wonderful holiday with your family. We hope you take pictures and share them with us on Facebook and Twitter. And we are very grateful to have you as our listening audience. And we would really love to answer some of your questions now. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, thank you. On each yeah. and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question has to do with calling it quits on casual invites. The question begins. I am really enjoying your uber-civilized podcast and reflecting on some etiquette questions. One that bubbles to the surface is this. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day... We here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. I have some friends or people I'd like to get to know better who say, let's have a drink or let's grab coffee. Most often, I'm the one who follows up and says, how about that coffee one day this week? Often people are busy or tied up, which is understandable, and they need to decline. 
but many friends don't reciprocate the invite or pick up the follow-up communication. While I may try again, I have adopted a two-strikes approach. If someone doesn't reach out back to me after invite number two, I generally back off. I'm entirely comfortable initiating a social occasion, but at times have felt I am overreaching and others aren't stepping up to the plate. These are not often people I want to have a discussion with about the situation, as I don't know them that well. How should I approach these lazy invitees? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they actually like me and that their intentions are good, but I don't want to keep making unrequited overtures and don't particularly want to spend time with people who aren't interested in my incredibly fun and charming company. Thanks, Ellen. I love that Ellen's not taking this personally because so often we hear the flip side of this question, which is, do people not like me? Am I doing this wrong? Something like that. And I, I like that she understands, hey, I'm a fun, charming person. Like, this is this is not an issue of am I doing something wrong here? But the question is, how often do I pursue a friendship? And I think that this is such a personal choice, Ellen. And with some people, you might continue asking for years, I, I have a really dear friend who, in the beginning of our friendship, we always loved hanging out. And because she was friends with my roommate, we would cross paths often. But then, you know, it kind of just felt like I was always chasing her down or like we'd say we want to get together, but we didn't. Ten years later, we are thick as thieves. I mean, we are on the phone with each other about the most personal aspects of our lives. And it was one of those things where I just I knew that over time we would become friends, but that I couldn't kind of rush the friendship right now. And I think that you can take your time to decide kind of how many of these people or if the connection is so strong for you that you really want to pursue it and keeping that voice saying, yeah, let's get together with coffee. Yeah, let's go for a walk or, hey, you know, feel free to call me if you'd like to. Like, just keep putting the invite out there. Or if you say, you know what, I've reached out to you twice and you keep saying you want to hang out, but you don't really make the effort to, so I'm not going to reach out anymore. To me, there's a real cost-benefit analysis Bingo. to this equation. And there are some people I find who they will extend the invite or I will extend the invite. We'll, we'll each adopt that role in the friendship. But yes. oftentimes it's what happens next that really determines whether it happens again or not. If they're a good friend and our interaction is easy and easeful and makes me want to come back for more, I might pay the cost of that barrier of admission or yeah. I might be quicker to say, oh, you know, I do have a free day this week or I could free up a little time this week because you've asked me a couple times recently and I want to make that effort. So I do think there's also um, a bit of a calculus that goes on around making and sustaining friends. And that's that's a pretty personal choice. So, Ellen, feel free to use your gut, trust your judgment when you're Feeling like making that reach out and that ask and that invitation, go for it. And if you're having a day where you're feeling like, boy, you know, I'm just not up to it, don't worry about it so much. Give it time. Our next question has to do with office party obligations. I recently got a job in a small office where I love working. My question is in regards to holiday parties. I am very introverted and socially awkward. Going to a party is definitely not my idea of a good time. I am single, so I don't really have someone to bring with me to help me enjoy the event. Problem is, these holiday parties seem to have an unspoken word that everyone is going. The first is our company party, which is an hour drive away at a nice restaurant. The owners of the company are hosting, only one of whom I have met. The other party is a company that we work with, one of our biggest clients. My boss is closing the office early that day so that we can all attend. Am I obligated to go? 
It sure feels like it. I really like the company I work for and love my job. I have two children who I have to find babysitters for, and it does not feel fair that I have to go to parties I don't care to attend. Any tips for making these events not so horrible would be great, too. I don't even know what we are supposed to wear. I feel kind of out of place. Everyone else in my office seems very excited to go. Thanks so much. Love the podcast. So after I read your question, I have a couple of, of reactions. My, my first reaction is that whenever I'm teaching etiquette, I love to encourage people to approach um, any of the things that I'm talking about through the lens of opportunity, not obligation. And I, I really think that that's the first place I want to start with this question because um, it's, it's not an obligation. If you fail to write a thank you note, the thank you note police will not come take you away. If you decide not to attend these office parties, the office party police are not going to come pick you up at your home. It's not an obligation in the sense that you're getting paid to do this and it's part of your job description. At the same time, I can hear in the the tone of your question that that there is opportunity here, that you're aware that there is a social expectation uh, at your workplace and among those that you work with that people attend these events. And, and there are a lot of different reasons for that. And one of them is that we spend so much time in our lives, so many of our waking hours with the people that we work with. For many people, it's true that they'll spend more time with the people they work with than anybody else in their life, even their closest friends and family. And the opportunities that we have to interact with those people and to build strong social relationships outside the work workplace are oftentimes relatively few. Sometimes the the holiday office party is the the one time each year where you might have an opportunity to meet that supervisor that you don't know yet or to get to know the person who owns your company in a way, maybe to get to know their family a little bit or a a little bit about them uh, in a different context than your work context. And those social opportunities to build and grow those relationships that even though they're professional relationships are so important and they're both important professionally and to the quality of our lives. So any encouragement I can offer you to approach business social event or function as an, as an opportunity to, to grow and, and maybe you're not going to transform a relationship but you never know you might. So some tips for doing that when, when you're going to a party like this and you – feel that you're a little socially awkward. And I so sympathize with that. I'm someone who often, I'm not a big joiner and I'm not always the most comfortable at events where I don't know everybody or where I feel there's a a formal expectation that's a little different than I would feel if I was with my closest friends and family. Sometimes if you just set a goal for yourself, if you understand a couple of your responsibilities as a guest, that you say hi to your hosts, that you introduce yourself to new people, that occasionally you offer to help out. So you can always ask your host, you know, is there anything I can do? You know, this is a this is a great night. Thank you so much for having us. Please let me know if there's anything I can do to make it easier. So offering to help your host is a nice one. Setting a little goal for yourself, a social goal ahead of time. You know, I'm going to talk to three people who I don't talk to every day. Or I'm going to introduce myself to someone new at this party. Just having an idea for yourself about some social goals that you have might help you step up off that wall and, and go say hi to someone instead of sitting there and feeling socially awkward. You can also put a limit on the party for yourself. You can say that once dessert um, has been served and everybody has has had a chance to eat, that you're not going to stick around and socialize for long after, that you're going to find your host, you're going to let them know that you've come a long way and you so appreciated them having you, but that you're going to excuse yourself. And having a hard limit, knowing that you're going to be comfortable leaving at a certain time might help you approach the event with a little more curiosity and a little less trepidation. 
So I want to leave you with that thought that there are really rewards to be reaped for stepping outside your comfort zone just a little bit, particularly in a situation where your work life and your personal life are both potentially impacted. So while I, I fully understand the, the hesitancy, um, consider this a, a, a really generous and encouraging push to give it a try, to do your best, and to receive the, the gift of that holiday party the way it, it might be intended by your company or your boss or your most important client and receive that gift with a generosity of spirit and do the best you can. Actually, I guess the final thought I would leave is that because it isn't an obligation, if you did have to back out or if you if it really was problematic and difficult for you to get there for any one of a number of reasons, that you RSVP, you've been invited to this event. So as a guest, if you're going to go, you accept that invitation and go. If you're not going to be able to go, that you decline the invitation. And if you're comfortable, you can always offer your reason. You can let your boss know that you really appreciate being invited. You would love to be there. But childcare is problematic for you during the week and that it's a long way for you you to go and that while you appreciate the invitation, it's just really difficult for you to attend a a work event after hours. Most people are going to understand that as well. I hope that helps. I hope you have a great time, whatever you decide to do. More questions coming up, but first a word from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Our next question has to deal with no gifts, just cash. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I hope you can help me. With the holidays approaching, my family has begun to ask what I want for Christmas. I am 25 years old and live with my husband and two cats. I love spending time with my family, but Christmas gifts make me feel uncomfortable and childlike. I appreciate my family and in-laws' willingness to spend money on me, and I am grateful for their kindness. However, I have recently hit some financial trouble, and I need to purchase a new computer and a new car. Is there a way I can tell my family this and ask for cash instead of gifts? I don't want to take advantage of their generosity, but I really don't need anything except for help with this. It feels wrong to ask for cash for Christmas, but I feel like I'll end up returning any gifts I get and don't want to be dishonest. Thank you. Empty Pockets. Empty Pockets, I totally feel your pain on this one. Um... I'm not sure you're going to love my answer, though. Mm. I really don't think you can ask for cash in this way. I think it's one thing to be talking to your parents about the fact that, you know, hey, mom and dad, we're really trying to save up for a new computer and a new car, and and cash would be the, the most helpful thing right now. But my grandmother used to know that I was struggling in my 20s financially, and she would say to me explicitly, This cash that I am giving you is for you to buy a present for yourself. It is not to go towards bills. It is not to go towards something like what I'm saving up for in that way. Um, It's not to go to a necessity. And she really tried to impart on me that birthdays and holidays where gifts are given are a time for family members who wish to 
to give you something that in your day-to-day life you may not be able to purchase. I know that you say you have everything you need, and so getting new things can often feel like more just stuff coming into your life. And I have relatives who actually really feel very strongly about that. They don't love the obligation to keep a gift. They don't love that that feeling of, of things coming at them, material gifts. We talked about that on a, on a previous, recent show. I think, though, that you um, – to use the phrase, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth. And I think it's probably important for you to have the conversation with your parents, who you're very close to. But I would not extend this conversation to cousins, aunts, uncles, brothers, and sisters. I would be comfortable at giving you the advice to talk with parents about it. But I would not say that that you should put the expectation or the... Um, I don't want to say demand because I don't think you're demanding, but the the request for cash only from other people like that. Mm-hmm. I could never imagine, for instance, Dan, in our Christmas cousin draw, telling cousin Jeep or telling cousin Casey or telling you, hey, I really just need 40 bucks instead of or cash instead of an Amazon gift card or such and such. Lizzie and I had not talked about this question ahead of time, and I was having difficulty thinking of a really concrete answer because it, as Lizzie is the heart of the etiquette, here is that it's so impossibly difficult to give someone directions about what gifts to give you. It's it's such a personal choice. It really is up to them. At the same time, you described this very practical situation and problem. And I was thinking to myself, how could you do it? Well, if if you wanted to and, and, and it really made sense. And I actually came to a very similar place. I was thinking, you know, that's a discussion I might have with my parents. But it I wouldn't might, extend it. And and maybe they could talk to a sibling word of mouth, or but I wouldn't give that direction even to them necessarily. When I started to think about the mechanism for how I would try to give that direction, I, I wasn't coming up with anything that I felt really comfortable saying this would be a good way to get that word out. Well, and I think that one of the flip sides, Dan, is that, you know, imagine if you just went to your cousin and said, would you feel comfortable accepting cash from a cousin for money towards a car or a computer? And that's one where I personally, me, I'd feel a little kind of awkward about it, but I would feel really comfortable accepting cash from my parents. So sometimes it's thinking about how I would actually feel receiving that from someone if maybe the holiday wasn't surrounded by it. And I was thinking I might not mind. Right. If my brother wanted to help me do, and that was really what I wanted, and yeah. what was going to work you and Will in life, and Will are really close, and yeah. So that, that, and if it didn't, if it if it didn't rob him of giving me a personal gift, and he really felt good about it, mm-hmm. it, I was thinking just from a very practical perspective. I think if both parties feel good about it and it makes everybody feel good, that can be a nice gift. And if there's a way to get that word out, I that was going to say the ask is the hard part. It is. That's the tricky part yeah. for me, also. Yeah. So there you have it. Empty pockets. We we don't have good language for you to be able to ask family members kind of beyond parents. But I do encourage you to continue as you have accepting with generosity of spirit the gifts that do come your whatever way, whatever they may be, whatever they may be. And hopefully you will be able to find a way to raise the money for the new computer in the car in your own life. And it does sound like you have a great family supporting you. Our next question is about returning wedding shower gifts. I am helping my son return wedding shower gifts from a wedding his fiance called off. The shower guests were family and friends. Many of the family members and some of the friends have asked that he just keep the gifts. My husband disagrees and says we should insist on returning them. I should mention they were all properly thanked for the gifts. 
where do I draw the line? Obviously, an uncomfortable situation. V. V, we are so sorry your son's wedding was called off, and we do hope that the future brings him much love and happiness. This is a difficult time, and I agree with your husband. I think that those gifts need to be returned, and you can insist on returning them. I think your your family's well-intentioned to want to just say keep the gifts, but I think what they're forgetting is that then he's going to have a blender or a you know, a set of towels or something that were always for a wedding that has never taken place and to be shared with a a person that he is not going to be married to. And I think that's a sad reminder to have to have on a regular basis. So just send the gifts back. Don't ask if they would like to receive them. Simply send or give the gifts back. If someone tries to insist, simply insist back and say, listen, John really doesn't want to have a reminder of this around, but your generosity is so appreciated. And thank you so much for caring during this time. If someone really won't accept the gift back, you could donate it to charity if your son really doesn't want it to be kept. I think that that's the best that you can really do in that situation. Best of luck, and we truly, truly hope that your family sees some happier, fun celebrations in the future. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we've answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our answers, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message on our answering machine, 802-866-0860. That's 802-866-0860. Or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. Today's postscript is something extra special. It's something Lizzie and I have been waiting to share for quite a while. One of the treasured and prized items in the Emily Post archive at the Emily Post Institute is a box of radio scripts that Emily wrote herself. These are from the 1950s, and Emily did a Q&A radio program that was in many ways the inspiration for the podcast that you're listening to right now. Lizzie and I are keenly aware that Emily was a radio star and loved her radio show and her radio audience. She really saw it as the privilege of talking to people through this this new technology where she was beamed right into people's homes and she could talk about etiquette as as life skills. And she was really incredible in that forum and in that um, environment. So we have this box of radio scripts that has 20 to 30 of her original script. She read her shows. They were entirely scripted. And they're typed out versions of these scripts with her handwritten notes on them. So this particular page that I'm going to be reading from today has guest room scrawled in pencil at the the top of the page in Emily's handwriting. So uh, periodically, Lizzie and I thought we would dip into the archive of Emily's old radio scripts and share with you some of her wisdom, but you're going to hear it in our voices. So this particular script Lizzie picked and it has to do with house guests. And we chose it because we thought it might be illuminating this holiday season. So uh, part one of a radio script from Emily Post on the guest room. Good morning. How are you? 
This morning, I'm going to talk to you about your guest rooms and the people who stay in them, which reminds me, if I wonder if you've noticed it too, that in the average magazine article, house guests are apparently total strangers to their hostess. Perhaps this unnaturally formal point of view is due to the words guest and hostess. There is an all-wrapped-up-in-a-package effect in these labels. Certainly, we don't think of our most intimate friend as a guest or of our sister with whom we stay as a hostess. There is no taboo in these names when they are necessary. I must, for instance, talk about a hostess and her guests much of the time. But in talking about my own house, for instance, I should say, we are having people over Sunday. I would never say, we are expecting guests for the weekend. This is not important. The only point I want to make is that the ideal attitude towards those who stay with us is to make them feel so completely at home that the thought of the word guests never occurs to them or to us. But this doesn't mean that because we feel that those we are apt to have staying with us are too near to us to be thought of as guests, that we are to prove our friendship and our love for them by treating them like old shoes. Nothing of the kind. We must, to the best of our ability, provide whatever the personal requirements of each of our friends may be. Of course, we all know certain people who are natural-born travelers and visitors. If they are one, they are sure to be the other, who happily adjust themselves to every situation. And we all know others who are completely out of tune the moment their own fixed habits are disturbed. But taking the average requirements of our family and our friends as being somewhere between these two, let us consider the provisions that every hostess may be supposed to make for the friends who stay with her. Isn't that lovely? I can't wait to return to this personal archive and share the rest of it with you. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? We have two etiquette salutes for you today, and the first begins, Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Thanks so much for your podcast. I'm a genealogist, and I do quite a bit of driving around in order to hunt down records I need. Often, you are my company in the car. Well, we are so very pleased to be there with you. My etiquette salute goes out to the very nice man who is working at the small parking lot across from the Middlesex County Courthouse in Cambridge, Massachusetts last week. I was in the courthouse searching for a will from 1949, which unfortunately was not there. I emerged from the building a bit discouraged and realized that Friday afternoon Boston traffic had reached full intensity. I was in for a long and complicated commute home. The nice gentleman who had parked my car in the lot was one step ahead of me. After asking me where I was headed, he not only coached me through a good traffic strategy, essential in Boston for your listeners who live elsewhere, but insisted that making a left turn out of the parking lot was my key to avoiding a traffic nightmare. When I cast a doubtful glance over the very busy street, he assured me, Don't worry, I've got you covered. Before I could protest, he was out in the middle of the road, stopping traffic in both directions so that I could get out of the lot and proceed to the left just as he had advised. Not only did he go above and beyond in making my exit efficient and safe, but he did it in a way that made me feel comfortable, which to me felt like the height of good manners. Also, his advice was excellent, and I made it home in record time. His actions made a big difference to the rest of my day. Because of him, I started my weekend with extra time and with a big smile on my face. Jennifer. Isn't that lovely? Oh, I want a traffic angel. (laughs) I know, me too. Our next salute begins, Good morning. 
I just listened to this week's podcast and was pleasantly surprised by one of the questions. I'm not sure if this is an etiquette salute or a grammar salute, but I think it needs to be said that Group Text Amy wrote a very well-written email. I don't mean a well-written email for a 15-year-old. I mean she just wrote a well-written email, period. (laughs) While I was listening to the email being read, I was shocked that a 15-year-old wrote it. I communicate all day via email with students and university-level staff. Honestly, her email was far superior to many emails I get every week. I know grammar and other minor mistakes happen, but I've noticed that emails seem to be getting more and more, well, sloppy. I've noticed that I've become more jaded and have concluded well-written emails were rare among adults and almost non-existent among teenagers. I hate that I've developed this attitude towards email. I regularly receive emails with no greeting, obvious spelling errors, egregious misuse of capitalization and quotes, and no punctuation. Amy's email had left me with a renewed sense of hope that kids will grow up to learn how to effectively express themselves. When a 15-year-old has written an email far superior to that of a university administrator, that's something she should feel good about and needs to be recognized. I would also like to point out that it was nice to hear how she thought through the situation about bringing up the group text issue and stopped before saying anything. This young lady clearly has been raised well and is on her way to becoming a thoughtful and intelligent adult. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, Miss Miller. I just, I like it when our audience salutes our audience. I think that's wonderful. It's a really sweet sentiment, and I, I share it, Amy. We get some of the best written mail to this show, and Lizzie and I both appreciate it so much. So Thank thanks for pointing that out. That's our show for today. We want to take a moment this Thanksgiving week to say thank you so very much for making our show possible. We are so grateful that each week you join us and that you've taken the time and interest to send in your questions, your salutes, and your thoughts to Awesome Etiquette. We truly mean it when we say there is no show without you. We hope that for those of you that celebrate that you have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. And remember, as always, if you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is thankfully produced by Hans Butow.